God's got something today. I'm telling you, we're going to go to uh, an incredible, one, one of the all-time greatest moments in the, the ministry of Jesus. And this series we're diving into, I know some of you, Right now, you're just you're mad at sports. Maybe you're mad at some stuff that's happening, and it's not like it used to be, and it's trying to come back. Or you're upset about, you know, maybe even the the politicization of some stuff. Or you know, I, I I don't know, but I can you go back? Can you just go back to like the the raw, um, unchanged, just the the humanity at its best part of sports? You know, where we're striving and like the underdog wins sometimes. And think of some of the greatest dynasties. Think of the last second shots, right? Think of the 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 final two minutes on the clock and the drive that makes it happen. And all of those things that have us on the edge of our seats with friends, the agony of defeat, the thrill of the game that wasn't supposed to be won, but they won. High five and friends and people coming over. There's something about sports that we do. We just love. There's, there's stories in good sports. It's really about people. And uh, I, I do I do love all kinds of sports. So when I get together with a couple of friends, um, we, can, we can make anything sport, right? I, I love just to compete. And then after a while, it doesn't matter what's going on. After a few moments, we're going to probably get into that quintessential argument of like, who is the greatest of all time? Who's the greatest boxer? Who's the greatest baseball player? The greatest pitcher? The greatest hitter? The, the, the greatest quarterback? The greatest running back? And it's just, I love the conversation about GOAT. GOAT is the slang for greatest of all time. I love the conversation. It's just fun. Well, newsflash. I really think Jesus is the greatest of all in all time. He's still alive today. And we've got this play, this moment that Jesus ran that is one of his greatest, just greatest moments ever. This incredible moment. It's found in the book of John. Verse, verse 1 starts the story. Man, dive into this. See what God's got for you today as we look at uh, one play that Jesus made that just shows he is the greatest of all time. Here's what it says. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and, uh, the, the, the village and of Mary and her sister Martha. That's where they lived. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that the son of man may be glorified through it. I just pause right there. You get the story laid out in front of you. Jesus is not too far away about two miles actually, pretty close. And this village that he visited many times, he had some dear friends there, um, a family, two sisters, their brother Lazarus, uh, clearly that Jesus loved them. He's sick and Jesus gets this news. Maybe someone runs in the camp. Jesus, just over the hill, the, the one you love. I mean, your buddy, he's, he's sick. And Jesus looks at the 12 and he's like, this will not end in death. And he tells us that this story is all about one thing. This story is going to be about God's glory. See, it's all about the greatest 
of all time. Your situation that you find yourself in, the the pain or the story, the things that have occurred in your life, wherever you're at right now, good and or bad, both sides of the coin, the great things, the rough things, those things are technically, they're supposed to be all about the goat, the greatest of all time. And Jesus takes a moment right here to say, this thing that we're getting ready to walk into It will not end in death. In fact, it's really going to be all about my glory. A lot of people, they picture Jesus to be, and he was, humble, kind, meek, gentle, never sinning. He was all those things. But Jesus also would not lie. And Jesus knew that he was the son of God. That he was not like us. That he had never sinned. That he would defeat death. And so there's this, it's not boasting, it is just the fact of what it is where Jesus says, this moment is going to be about me. Some of us are not arguing the fact that Jesus is the greatest of all time. You'll, you'll testify, you'll, you'll say right here in this moment, yes, he is the greatest of all time. And you don't have a problem with the fact that he's the greatest of all time. You just have a problem of how he's exercising his authority and his power in being the greatest of all time. You would call some different plays. You would do some things differently. That arrangement, the focus that's on his glory is not a focus that we have. And you can, you can start to see here that the focus has got to be on that. This scenario starts to play out. It says this in verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he, he stayed there two more days. That might sound a little bit weird to you. Hold on. Like, hold on, if that sounds weird to you, like, he loved them, he hears he's sick, but he stayed there two more days. Key in on this, the goat, the greatest of all time, loves you. The greatest of all time showed the, the ability to, to love here. There's this fear that people have. Even though they know he's the greatest of all time, that he's not, he's not acting the way that we want him to act or delivering the life that we want. And declaring him the greatest of all time actually means at the same time accepting his ways, his timetable, his determination, his game plan. But what you get to accept right alongside with that is, is that Jesus, the greatest of all time, loved Lazarus and he loves you. Here's what he says, verse 7. He said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But, but Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there, they tried to stone you, and now you're going to go back? Jesus answers with this incredible, like, just kind of tapestry of, here's what goes on in life about reality. Here's what he says, verse 9. Jesus, Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light, the sun. They can see by the the brightness of the sun. And then he says this, It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, "Our Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him 
up. Man, may Jesus do a, a powerful wake up in your life and my life today through seeing what's going on. Because he just said, hey, there's light in the world. And it helps you not stumble. But if we're following Jesus, we can walk at night. We can walk anywhere, at any time. Because the light that Jesus gives is better than the light of this world. It helps us see things that maybe you can't see if you don't have the lights of Jesus. And he's like, guys, you're walking with me. You see things the way I see things. I am the light of the world. It's going to be okay. Lazarus is asleep and I'm going to wake him up. Now hear their response. Sometimes Jesus says something to us and we think that we hear what he's saying, but he is operating on, a, on another plane, another, un, another layer of understanding. And Jesus gives them some more clues. His disciples, here's their reply. Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Right? You know that. If you're tired, if you've got COVID, you can't go out. You can't be around other people. You can't infect other people. If you've got symptoms, you've got to stay home. What do you got to do? You got to rest. You got to chill out, right? They're not thinking wrong. They're just not thinking as high as they could. Jesus had been speaking of his, his death. Verse 13. But his disciples think he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly. Anybody need that? Verse 14 right here. Here's what's great about being home. If you don't have your Bible out, you can go get it right now. You can put it on your lap. You know, you can write in here, COVID sermon, underline this right here. Jesus told them plainly. Sometimes you need Jesus to plainly tell you something. He says this, guys, Lazarus is dead. He's not just taking a nap so he can wake up later and feel better. Lazarus is gone. He's dead. It's over. But he just told them in a few verses before, this won't end in death. So Lazarus is dead now, but Jesus said this won't end in death. Here's what you got to understand. Here's what I've got to understand. God is always helping me and pushing me in this way. The greatest of all time knows the, the play clock. You ever watch someone in the game and they're just dribbling the ball and they don't know that they've got three seconds to shoot and they think they've got 10 and they got three and you're screaming at the TV, look at the clock, look at the clock, you're going to miss a chance. You know that quarterback and he's not taking the snap and we've only got one play left and he lets the time run out. Get this, in your life, in my life, Jesus knows the play talk. He knows what's going on. He knows your days. He knows how much time is left. He knows how much time isn't left. Part of the urgency of the gospel is Jesus knows when your last breath will be. And he's available now. He won't be available then. But Jesus, the goat, the greatest of all time, the best player ever, he knows your situations. Here's what that means. Jesus knows what's actually going on in your life. He knows. Jesus knows that about that addiction and the time that you've been in that addiction and how much time before that addiction will completely render you incapacitated, unable to deal with reality. I mean, he knows about like, the, the test you're waiting on, the results coming back. He knows the anxiety that you have. There, there's nothing that's happening in your life that Jesus isn't aware of the timing on. The greatest of all time, he gets time and he knows what's going on. See, what he wants, the greatest of all time, the goat, he wants this for you. He wants you to believe. He just told these guys, Lazarus 
Lazarus is dead, but here's what he says, verse 18. For your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. I mean, just put this on. Jesus is like, guys, your friend is dead and I'm glad that I wasn't there and he died because here's what's gonna come out. This is what's gonna come out of this experience because Jesus wasn't there and he couldn't heal him like he's healed everybody else and Lazarus dies. There's a scenario there's an opportunity right now for Jesus to come in and to, to do a miracle for this reason, so that people will believe. And Jesus says, I'm glad about this. So understand, that means that Jesus is more excited about you being in a place that forces you to believe in him than he is excited about you being happy. And we're, we're praying for things that would make us happy. We're asking for things that would bring us joy, contentment, satisfaction, pleasure. And Jesus is like, I value something way more than that. I've got to value more than that. I value your holiness. I value you knowing that you need a savior. I value you knowing that you're lost. I value you seeing that Jesus is the greatest of all time. He says, I want you to see that. I want you to see that I deserve glory more than anything else. Because if you've got that in your life, you've got the best thing in your life. It's a higher value to me. The goat wants you to believe. And man, that changes us. And that changes our attitude. That changes how we think. That means we start saying, man, God, I thank you for the affliction that I'm currently in. I thank you for this problem. I never would have walked into this problem if I had known it. But what I've gotten out of this is you've done miracles in my life and now I can believe. It's crazy. If you know mature Christians, the things that mature Christians thank God for, you would never thank God for. I sat with a husband and wife just recently and they said, you know, the thing that we thank God for the most in our lives was the season of our separation when our marriage almost ended because God came in and God put it back together. And because of that, because of that terrible season of our life, we know his glory. We've seen his glory. We believe more in him because of the good things he's done. See, we've got to have a goat attitude. There's always, I mean, there's always people. When you roll with 12 guys and there's 12 guys and, you know, there's another hundred people or so that were traveling with them. There are women there. Obviously, Mary and Martha are friends, so they are a part of the action in Christ's life at times. And there's always someone saying something, right? We don't have it all in testimony, record for us. We can only imagine what some of those things would be. But John records this one. This is a goat attitude. This is a greatest of all time attitude. Here's the, this one little chirp that comes up from someone in the crowd when Jesus says, Lazarus is dead. But I'm glad because now we're going to go and you're going to see something that's going to make you believe. This guy says this, then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go. Like, let's all go. That we may die with him. This is weird. If you don't understand the goat attitude, this is weird for this reason right here. When someone gives you terrible news, like, hey, our buddy Lazarus is dead. And someone around the corner is like, hey, awesome. Let's all go and die with him. You only get that attitude if you understand what Paul writes in the book of Philippians 121. Paul writes this. He says, to, to live is Christ. 
but to die is great gain. Thomas gets it. When you understand that while the world has some sweet things to offer us and some awesome things that we get to experience that God has made, that which is to come in eternity is far greater. When you understand that, you understand that death is gain. But that's not what I hear a lot of when I pray with people. I mean, straight up, as a pastor, you get called into intimate moments with people. And I, I, I hear a, a little bit of that where people have this mature understanding that while it's painful and I'm going to miss you all, I'm about, if I'm walking to death, I'm about to gain something far greater. What I hear from lots of people is this. I don't want to die. I'm not ready. I just don't want this in anger this goat attitude, this greatest of all all time attitude is an attitude really that's seeing the way Jesus sees through the light of the world where you'll never stumble. And you'll know this, that this world is not as good as eternity. Eternity is better than this world. Thomas got it. Thomas got it. What a great attitude. Verse 17, here it is. Jesus comes. Here's the action. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus has already been put in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Pretty, pretty quick walk. You know, it's just a stroll over there. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, they come together. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha back at him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. See, when, when you have an encounter like this young lady does here with Jesus, when Martha comes face to face with Jesus and she sees the, the goat, the greatest of all time, and she's like, if you, you know, my brother, she, she hears that, that, that my brother's going to rise again. And she's like, I know he's going to rise again. She's thinking at the end of days. She, we're all, all those who die in Christ will, will rise again. And she, she's a believer. She believes that Jesus has authority from the Father, and she gets that, but here's the problem. The goat can do more than you even know. She has no idea what he's capable of in this moment. She has no idea the depth of his power. I mean, this is, this is me. This is us. We go to God, and we start to ask him with, to help with the problem or something, but our prayers are small. They're tiny. They're, they're, they're what we could dream of. The best could come from something. They're nowhere close to what God is capable of. And like, there's this great shame on us that we, we don't even know what we should pray for because we can't imagine how great of a thing he could do. And some of the best prayers that we could pray is, God, we don't, we don't know what to ask for. We just know that your best is best. And would you let your best rain down? And would we have your eyes to see it? Some of us have been praying for some small, insignificant things. And Jesus shows up and he's like, I, I will let this thing in your life rise again. And we're like, well, I know it'll be fixed one day. He's like, no, you don't understand. I'm the goat, the greatest of all time. 
verse 25, after Martha's answer, Martha gives an answer and just, I'm going to paraphrase her answer. Her answer is the answer we give. I know you can do some things and I know you're going to do something really awesome. One day when we we're all with you later, I know, like I know. And Jesus steps in with this proclamation of who he is. And you've probably heard it before. And it's going to sound familiar maybe if you've been around God's word at all or church, but put it, what Jesus is saying in the meat of the story right now, like, listen, in, in this scenario, he says these words, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he looks at her and he says, do you believe this? Massive moments. I mean, I'm thinking back, we're doing this series, very sports series for all of you that you're like, sports is not my thing. Just pause for a moment with some of us and just think about, you know, sports characters. Like, you know, the strut when they're doing something great, right? How quickly they go from like striving to like, I'm king of the world. Okay, I mean, of all of the most prolific moments in sports history that have been caught on tape, where you've got the ultimate of ultimate strut, I think of that iconic moment with Muhammad Ali when he says, I'm the greatest. Now, I don't think Muhammad was talking about, I'm the greatest painter, I'm the greatest craftsman, I'm the greatest theologian, I'm the greatest politician, I'm the greatest orator. I mean, I think that he, he had some swagger in everything he did. And there was a part of him thinking, I'm just, I'm really, really good. But it stopped so short of what Jesus, when Muhammad said, Ali, the, the famous boxer, like the Muhammad Ali, this famous boxer has this quote. I think it really is where goat, this slang word comes from, where he said, I am the greatest of all time. What Jesus says in here, it far outweighs that. It's far more brash. Jesus says that he is resurrection and life. And anyone who believes in him, that's the path, our belief in Jesus leads us to this, leads us to life, even though you die. And anyone who lives their life lives believing. You're doing things as if Jesus is real and true. You've heard what Jesus said. You've heard what Jesus expects. You've heard what Jesus has commanded you. And if you live your life believing that those things are true, I'm I'm right here in verse 20, 26. If whoever lives by believing in me will never die. There's a lot of people that say, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great. It's rare that they ask this question where they look at people and say, do you believe I'm great? Because some of those answers back will be like, no, I think you're average actually. I mean, everyone else has got an opinion on who the greatest is. Is it Jordan or LeBron? Is it Manning or the other guy, right? I'm telling you, Jesus has, has got like the courage to look at this person and you and say this, do you believe it's true? Do you believe in the goat? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come to the world. This is the goat confession. 
This is the greatest of all time confession. Of, if you heard that just right now and you're tracking and you're in your word, you're, you're going with this and you see what Jesus is saying compared to other people who have maybe bragged about some stuff in their life and Jesus kind of looks at her and then Jesus looks at you and he says, do you believe? And you're like, I don't know what the words are. Like, I don't know right now how to answer this question. I'm going to tell you, this is the greatest of all time confession. We need to mimic it. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come to save the world. When you confess that Jesus is Lord and you believe, you're obedient to baptism, you become a new creature with a new mind and a new heart and a new future and a new destiny. This is the confession that needs to be on our lips. She nailed it. But the action's still coming. Here's, here's more action. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he is asking for you. I love that. Man, that's happening today. That's happening right now. The teacher is here and he is asking for some of you what you believe. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been with Mary in the house comforting her, notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. Makes sense. They're all crying. They love her. She's going to go to the tomb probably. Let's just go with her. It's not a lot of time to ask questions. We're like, where are we going, right? They're just going. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his seat and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. This is the goat blame game. The goat blame game is when we, we recognize that he's the greatest of all time, but we've got some accusations and some shame we're trying to put on him, some anger we're trying to put on him. We're mad at him. We're just mad. And a lot of us are in this place where we know that Jesus is real. We know that Jesus is the son of God, but we are mad at Jesus because there's some things that we want to work out in our life and it's not worked out the way we want it. And we're in this place where we're just upset with specifically his timing. We're upset with the timing of Jesus. And we're like, if you would have been here, if you would have been there, and where were you at? And what were you doing? And what were you thinking? And it's this obstacle to us having a, a significant relationship with Jesus because we don't like his time clock management. And the divide between you and Jesus is you saying, well, you weren't here in my life then and you weren't here then. He's doing it all because he's already told us in this story the things that are happening in your life are so that glory can come to him. He's doing it all so that you can see that he really was there all, all along, able, capable, caring for you. And we see it right here when because you've been in this place before where you just put blame on Jesus. She does it. Look at his response, because his response is the same today with me and you. Same response. Here's his response. Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, and he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. And Jesus cares 
the stuff that you've been through in your childhood, the stuff that you're going through right now, the weeping that you're doing, the people around you that are weeping. He sees it. He knows. He deeply is moved and he cares and he moves to action in her life. He will move to action in your life. Verse 34, where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Shortest verse in all scripture. You can all memorize a verse today if you don't know it. Uh, Verse 35 here, Jesus just wept. Jesus wept. He has wept for you. I believe that Jesus has looked at some things in your life that are, he would straight up say, I didn't make this happen. It's hardship because of sin and evil in the world. And it's happened to you. And it's hard. And he's wept with you and for you. And he's here. He's here now. And he's still looking at you saying, it's been tough and it's been hard. I'm here, but we can turn this into a thing that you will later say it was great because it'll bring me glory. Man, this thing is action-packed as it ends here. The Jews said, see how he loved him. They're picking up on Jesus's care here. Some of them said, "Could could he not, he who opened the eyes of the blind have saved this man for dying. They don't understand that something greater is happening here so that people could believe. They don't get it. If he would have been here earlier, they don't get it. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. I mean, I talk about the irony of this moment for Jesus, right? He's like, I know it's coming for me. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been there for four days. I love just the pragmatic side of, of Martha here to be like, you don't want to do that. It's a bad idea, right? I mean, you can just mourn out here with me. Jesus, it's too late. We're just glad you're here. It's going to smell, man. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? See, there is something that is stopping you from seeing the glory of God in your life. You have not seen that Jesus is the greatest of all time. It's been blocked from you. The thing that is blocking you from seeing the glory of Jesus is action in belief. Believing is an action word in here. It's not something that is granted to you and given to you. It's like, oh, all of a sudden I've been given that gift, but you step up into it and you start to walk in it. And Jesus tells her, did, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? You want to see the glory of God? You start doing action, believe things, confessing him, obedience to baptism, getting in his word, the repetition of that, you will see the glory of God in your life. So they took away the stone. Verse 41, Jesus looked up and said, here's a prayer from Jesus. Everyone's away. The stone has been there. The smell's starting to come out. They're like, we did what you wanted, We don't know where this is going to go. And Jesus says, I'm going to do the most important thing I can do right now. I'm going to pray. And here's his prayer. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And Jesus has done things in your life for the benefit of other people, 
for one reason, that they would believe that God has sent his son into the world. Things are happening, bad things and hard things, and he's allowed it to happen so that other people would believe. Your story is a source of belief for other people. And you've been holding back. It's a doorway for other people. And when he had said this prayer, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The goat is always on time. The greatest of all time, Jesus, is always on time. And you've thought he missed the boat. He missed the moment in your life. He missed that pivotal point where if he would have been there, everything else would have been better. And he's telling you right now, I'm not late. It's impossible for me to be late. And when you think the play clock has ran out, when you think it's all done, Jesus is like, no, I say when it's done. I'm telling you, if you're alive right now, if you got a pulse right now, he's on time. And this is your time to encounter him. And I don't know what you're like. Maybe you're one of those people that you get back to the third quarter and you go, ah, we got one more possession. We're not going to win this game. I'm going to beat the crowds and go to my car. That's the sports analogy, everybody, okay? There are people that leave the game and they're like, I'm, I'm just going to, it might be the greatest comeback of all time. I'm going to take my chances because I've been here before where I've hoped, I've hoped that Jesus would show up and I've waited on him to show up and I've waited to what I thought was the last second and then I had to wait with the crowds and it was terrible traffic and I had to go through, I was disappointed and I'm just going to cut my losses on disappointment and leave this early because he's not going to show up. I'm telling you what, there are some people that they're like, there's always a chance. There's always a chance, right? And they're going to sit there and they're going to grip the seat and they're going to have that moment of like euphoria when and the greatest playmaker of all time steps in and says, Lazarus, wake up. He's doing that in people's lives in the season and he could be doing it in your life. He is still the God that does that. The goat is always on time. With the goat, it's never over. If you've got a pulse, there's a chance. He's still fixing brokenness. His power is not done. Last verse. Here it is. The dead man came walking out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And this is like real mummy stuff. He can't see. There's still cloth on his face. He's literally like hands out like the cartoon on Scooby-Doo when we were kids, right? Where he's kind of feeling around. I'm just telling you what John said. That's the moment. I know it's like, it's a little goofy to think about, but he's still got cloth on his face. I love these last words of Jesus here in this moment. Man, this will hit you. Listen to this. Look at it in your Bible. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let them go. Here's the irony of our lives right now. We got a pulse. There's no dead people watching this show today, okay? It's not happening. You got a pulse. But why are you walking around in dead clothes? 
Why are you walking around with stuff over your face and linen wrapped all around you? Like, you're like, why well, am I dying? We're not dead yet. And there's a moment where you can help someone believe. There's a moment where this story right here could encourage your belief. There's a moment where you could say it's all about the greatest of all time, Jesus. And it's all about the goat, Jesus, who loves me. And you'd understand that the greatest of all time knows the play clock. And he knows, even if you say, I am dying, to use every last second. He's, this is the moment of the game. There's no more commercial breaks. It's all on you. And you've got the ball. And the greatest of all time is going to throw you a pass like, catch it. Let someone else believe because of your faith. You've got to have a goat attitude. To, to live is Christ, and to die you're going to gain. The goat can do more than you know, and some of us today need a greatest of all time confession. I believe he is the Lord, sent from God the Father. And some of us have been doing the blame game on him, and you got to stop it. And the goat is always on time in your life. It's never over. And he says to you today, take off those grave clothes. And Jesus says the same thing he said to those ladies. Do you believe? We're going to sing this song right now. And I think you're, you're probably searching for these. You're searching for these answers in your life. Because he's got a question. It's one thing for some famous sports guy to brag and say, I'm the greatest whatever of all time. Jesus says, I'm the greatest of all time, period. Do you believe it? My dear friends, believing is the path to living forever. All hail King Jesus. Man, as you're searching for that answer now, Holy Spirit, would you feel the lives of those who are watching? And would you help them find that point in this message, this theirs today, praying too small or blaming you or thinking that you messed it up? And would they just come back to you and say, you're the greatest of all time. I am not. And I'm done trying to be. And I praise you because you are. And I'm going to start believing more. I'm going to start living out my belief so we can see your glory. It's in your name, Jesus, we sing. Amen.